Welcome to episode 13 of OT Conversations That Matter, the podcast. My name is Justine Jecker, and I will be hosting today's conversation on global health, an international perspective on OT practice. CAOT's Global Health Network was established in 2019 with a focus on sharing resources, tools, and information related to global health and occupational therapy. Members are interested in improving practice through knowledge exchange and integration with OTs from different contexts and countries. This past year, the Global Health Network focused on developing reciprocal partnerships with OT associations worldwide, including associations from India, Australia, Haiti, Madagascar, and South Africa. The network also looks to mentor and educate clinicians and students wanting to participate in global health projects that bring about sustainable change, empower communities, and work respectfully with people of all populations and backgrounds. There is a purposeful alliance with the views expressed by the World Health Organization, the World Federation of Occupational Therapy, and the United Nations. Two members of the Global Health Network are with us today to talk more about their work, Emmanuel and Deb. Emmanuel Pichard Jolicoeur received her Master's of Occupational Therapy from Laval University in 2014. She has worked as an OT in different settings with a focus on home and community-based services in Quebec and in low-income countries. Her passion for health equity, social justice, and sustainable development led her to complete a Master in Global Health degree, which expanded opportunities for teaching and helped with creating the Global Health Practice Network. Deb Cameron has been an OT for over 40 years, working clinically with children with disabilities. Since 1997, she has been a faculty member in the Department of Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy at the University of Toronto, currently completing her role as International Fieldwork Coordinator. Deb is the founder of the International Centre for Disability and Rehabilitation at the University of Toronto. She has done global health work in Trinidad and Tanzania, as well as been involved in research projects focused on children with disabilities in low-income countries and their participation and inclusion. Welcome to Emmanuel and Deb. Thank you for being with us today. To get us started, we will start with you, Emmanuel. If you want to give us a bit of uh, insight into how the first couple of years of the network went when you got started and why you felt that this global networking was important. Yeah, sure. So we started it in 2019. Um, so with Sarah Maud, uh, and we actually met because I was working back um, from working a little bit in Madagascar and she was doing her master's project, um, looking if uh, Quebec OTs were interested in global health and having more, um, more knowledge, more references and uh and so on in working global health and we were thinking oh it could be nice to have like ot without frontiers uh, at first it was kind of like the big idea um and then we started to exchange to research to talk to people and we noticed that actually there was a lot going on like already in that area of practice 
And we saw that there was more and more interest in global health, more and more people wanting to, uh, to work and to participate in that area of practice. Um, but as it is a really broad area of practice, um, it was kind of interesting to see that it was easy sometimes to do things not in the right way or not in a way that was respectful of ethics or even if you want to do good, it's kind of like sometimes easy to do it fast and not, uh, not the right way. Um, so we wanted to be sure that this practice was overseen, was guided and that the best knowledge we had like from OTs all around the world and all around Canada was actually put together. Um, so instead of going, going big, we just started more, um, more small. And we actually talked, uh, to Andrew Freeman, who was the, at this moment was the, the representative for Canada for the WFOT. Uh, and it put up, it put us in contact with a couple of OTs all around Canada, uh, including Deb, who were already, uh, already in that kind of practice and already working in global health. Um, and actually, I think everyone you put us in contact with agreed that it would be really interesting to start a network with uh, CAOT. So that's how we started. It, it's, been, um, it's been really interesting and it's been growing since 2019. It is always kind of a challenge to work with people all around Canada and afterwards all around all around the world um but yeah so that's uh, that's how it started and, and it's still growing and still going on how about for you deb you you joined right at the beginning so you you've seen the last three years of evolution and uh what's the journey been like for you it's been great um I was really excited about this idea of a, of a network for um, occupational therapists um, because I also having uh, worked in some global health projects and worked in our international center for disability and rehabilitation at University of Toronto often would get um, messages, emails, etc., from OTs saying, you know, I'd really like to do something in international health, global health. What's what's the next step? What should I be doing? You know, where where can I go? What would be um, a good project to be involved with? And so and I totally agree with Emmanuel's comments about uh, people's intentions are especially in the OT world, I would say, are always good. They always want to be doing uh, something that is going to be legitimately helpful in the world and going to contribute, you know, and uh, assist people. Um, but having explored the world of global health for a while, you realize just how complex that idea is that you know wanting to do good can sometimes lead to not such good consequences uh, because as Emmanuel pointed out because of um, rushing into something or not exploring it enough um, not you know not looking at the different elements uh, the ethical questions etc so I think a group like this where people can get together where they can learn not only from um, each other from the members of the actual, you know, CAOT group. Uh, but this year there was the opportunity to connect with 
uh, some partner organizations around the world and to find out more about what OT looks like for them in India or in Haiti or in other parts of the world. And um, I just think that kind of discussion, uh, challenging each other, supporting each other is is crucially important uh, when we're talking about the global health pieces. Yeah, you really got me thinking, Deb, um, a couple of things, actually, because I think I find it really fascinating, your title as International Fieldwork Coordinator. I, I wish when I graduated 13 years ago, there was somebody like that, because I know I remember for our last placement in OT school, there was this idea that you could set up your own international placement. And really, it's something you would have had to get started on almost when as soon as you enter the program because of the amount of time it would take to build a relationship with OTs around the world and then to actually secure at the time a two-month placement to, to finish your schooling. I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit about that and, and you know, are OTs taking um, advantage of that opportunity? Absolutely. Um, it's a great question and I think that uh, if I think about the probably one of the first placements that I helped organize for students was about 20 years ago. And this was our placement in Trinidad, which continues to this day. So I think we've sent about 200 of our OT students have gone to just this one uh, partner uh, of ours in Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago. And I do often talk about the fact that in organizing that first placement, we did global health all wrong, um, be, mostly out of lack of knowledge. It wasn't that we tried to do it wrong, but we set up a placement um, where, you know, it was initially a one-off placement. You know, we thought we were sending a pair of students. It was just for this one opportunity. We had a student whose background was, uh, her mom was from Trinidad. She was really interested in doing something to assist, um, but we did it sort of because this was of interest to her. Uh, we found a place. We didn't plan for it to be sustainable. We didn't. I didn't really understand, you know, the the global health ideas around, you know, parachuting in and you know not having done all of this background work, etc. Fortunately for us and for our partner, um, everything went very well on that first opportunity. And we have learned together, or I have learned, um, you know, along with our partner site, I hope, and learned from our partner there um, about how to try to do this well. And so we've developed a much more uh, sort of sustainable program where we're trying as much as possible to provide, you know, strategies and resources that can be used when we're not there anymore, that it's not dependent on only having the students there. Um, we try to uh, educate the students about uh, those kinds of global health concepts like, like equity and ethics. Um, and uh, we really try to focus as much as possible on, you know, how can the students learn more about the culture that they're entering? How can they, um, uh, you know, look at 
cultural humility, understanding that our ways are definitely not universally the best ways. In fact, sometimes they're not even the best ways for our own context, never mind a global context. Um, so from that perspective, we've tried to learn and develop and, and um, you know, develop a, a more principled uh, global health approach over the years. And you're the second part of your question about students being interested, I would say that's absolutely the case, not only at University of Toronto, but definitely across Canada. Um, we've got fieldwork coordinators from all of the universities um, getting together and talking about these concepts and how to develop, you know, good, strong placements. We have some sites that we share between universities so that a number of universities go to the same site in India, for example. Um, and so there's also a way of developing some sustainability there because we can support each other and have ongoing experiences instead of dropping in and out. Um, I just finished... Uh, matching up our first year class for their international placements for next year. And we have over 30 students who will be taking advantage of a, of a different opportunity, some in what we would call less resourced environments and others in sort of more similar environments, perhaps Europe, Australia, Hong Kong, as well as the under-resourced areas like uh, Tanzania, India, Trinidad, Philippines, etc. Yeah, that's so exciting, Deb. And, you know, in hearing you share um, those perspectives and just this understanding of the global north and, and the way that we understand occupational therapy, I was fortunate that I was able to either attend or watch the recordings of the, the sessions with the five different um, uh, international associations this year. And um, I'm looking at you, Emmanuel. It's it's one of those things that it was interesting that it was a natural uh, thread where that that discussion came up, and I really found with Australia they they really did a good job at kind of explaining, um, you know, that parachuting model that Deb was just speaking to, where uh, you know you're 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 educated in kind of a global north country, and then you're going to another country and and trying to practice OT and. And what's really fascinating is there is a need for more OT, but there's also this understanding that um, things are being done differently. And I think Madagascar gave a really good example of how an OT program can be created and um, and appreciate Global North concepts, but being able to do it completely on its own terms. I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I, that's what I, I was thinking about when Deb was talking. Um, because there's a lot, I think, in global health in learning that you like there's a lot you don't know you don't know. <laughs> and you have to be aware of that. Because at first, where you when you go to universities, you like you hear about models, about theories, but those are mainly things that will fit or not, but mainly fit your own context. Uh, and you think you can use them elsewhere but then when you meet people from different countries or you learn what are their models what are their theories what are their perspectives their lenses you like it's fascinating when I went and and worked there in Madagascar like the amount of things I thought I could use and I could do that I actually could not use it was not the way of seeing it and I didn't even know that like for a starter 
Um, so I think there is that is a really, really important thing. And that's fascinating to hear about people from different countries. And there is a lot of OT programs that are developing in low income countries right now, which is great because it's a lot about sustainability. It would be, I think, the like my well, my dream, if I can say, um, would be that at one point we exchange, we network and we work with each other, but we don't feel like we need to help them. That's not that's not about it. Like they can help themselves. We just like <laughs> to like to go in different countries and to exchange. Um, but like every country and every population can be autonomous on their own. Um, and I think there's a lot in learn. There's a lot to learn about that. Yeah, and that speaks a little bit to when we were preparing for this podcast, we were kind of saying, you know, what is a global OT, right? Like, you know, I think in starting the network, everybody has a vision in their mind, but then to put pen to paper to try to define it, it's it's a little bit more difficult. And you had mentioned this concept to me, having the global mindset. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And is this kind of an inherent skill for OTs who are interested in global health? Yeah, I think it would be an inherent value, well, not value, but uh, things things to know about for like people that would work in global health, but also for pretty much every OT too. So the concept of like having a global mindset is that you know about your local context, you know about what's happening, like where you are and how it works, but you also have the global overview. So you understand what's going on on the broader level, like what are like the political, economical, uh, like how everything, like even socially, how it's working on a broader level. And that helps you to work in the right way when you work uh, with a local community, with an individual. And it's even more important when you work in, um, in global health because you cannot take only the global perspective because then how do you apply it when you're like with a smaller community or uh, with a local level? So you, you kind of have to have that in mind. Um, but I think it's also important in the other way. Um, yeah, so you were talking about like skill set. It's, it's difficult to say because global health is such a broad area. Um, so I think it kind of depends on like where, where you, um, you work at. So if you work like with, uh, people that are displaced, if you work in disaster management, um, if you work, uh, only in another, in another country, for example, you have different skill set that you need to, to have. Um, but I think just being like open and to notice you don't know is kind of like <laughs> the main, uh, the main skill, skill, I would think. Yeah. Deb, I see you nodding. I know our podcast listeners can't see you, but, um, you know, I can imagine there is some prep work definitely for students who are going to go on these international placements. So how is that concept of global uh, mindset? How is that resonating or how does that work in, in the school? Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, that's a great question. And I was I was doing a lot of nodding because, you know, we think about a lot with the students or when I'm talking to them about just introducing them to the idea of doing a, an international placement or a global placement. And 
uh, I talk about sort of when you look at the literature around success of, of student placements, a lot of it is around what some people might call the softer skills or, you know, not the hardcore, maybe clinical skills, but the idea that the students that seem to uh, do well in these environments and love these environments and and uh, collaborate well are the students who are very open, as Emmanuel said for sure, uh, come with a lot of flexibility and adaptability, some creativity, and definitely that ability to kind of think outside the box a little bit. Um, and so I really think those kinds of skills um, are essential. And, you know, I was intrigued with your question about sort of, well, so can every OT have that kind of mindset? Um, and I'm not sure there's an answer to that question, uh, but it does make me sort of reflect a lot on that openness and that willingness to learn something different being crucial. That if we can really be um, as client-centered as we all, you know, aspire to be and hope to be, that that's the way that um, you can really work well in a global environment um, by by being open. And an example that comes to my mind is, uh, and this is a, you know, a, a GTA Toronto example, but I was working many years ago with uh, family and um, the little one uh, had much better skills in the, um, on the left-hand side than she did on her right side. And so me being the OT, we're working on um, some self-feeding activities and I'm automatically sort of getting the child to perhaps use the left side more because that was the better side for them. Seemed like the, you know, practical, logical way to do it. And I, I, Still, I'm so thankful to this day that I think I had sort of a good enough relationship with the parent that she could share with me that, you know, from their own cultural beliefs, um, eating with the left hand was not something, you know, that was thought of as as dirty and, you know, that's that's not appropriate uh, to use that side. And it totally just flipped my perspective in, you know, 30 seconds of, okay, so now I'm understanding that, you know, I need to really look at, is there any way that I can try to make the right hand more functional? Because this is more necessary for this child to fit in with her family and her culture. And so I think if we can be really open and transparent about our desire to learn more and to find out the values um, and beliefs of the communities that we might be working with, um, we are going to be very much more successful. So to me, that's kind of similar to Emmanuel. I think it's kind of that openness that I see as sort of that critical skill set. Yeah, and it also ties to the concept of, you know, the social and cultural environmental aspect. And I feel like 
that is what's shining through when I think of the global mindset is, um, you know, environmentally, if you are too narrow or you're thinking within the context of the geograph geographical space that you're in, it, you will miss out on a big picture. So that that is so incredibly important to keep the social uh, sphere open to be thinking, okay, what are the political and cultural um, pieces that the persons I'm working with are bringing to the table? Uh, and and yeah, I can really see how that is a skill set that all OTs could carry, but I also see that to refine it, um, maybe being in a context outside of Canada can really bring you to that next level where, you know, you're kind of immersed and surrounded by those different environmental factors, the different cultural factors that you wouldn't normally be with. So I'm wondering then, because some concepts around accessibility and equity have come up in the discussion and um, at CAUT and of course across Canada, the movement towards equity and justice is, is at the forefront of our thinking as occupational therapists. And I'm wondering for each of you where you feel, um, I think global health does transcend the justice, equity, diversity, inclusion discussion, but which one of those pieces is really kind of connected for you with global health? And maybe if you can share an example, that would be great. Mm -hmm. it, I'm kind of like reflecting because it is like, a, there are so many things <laughs> I feel we could answer to that. Um, like diversity is of course just, you, can, you cannot like work in global health and not include diversity. It's just so, so much there <laughs> in itself. Um, but it's kind of easy. Like we have, we had a lot of conversation about uh, systemic racism in the past couple years, um, which we hadn't like have much before. Like, I don't recall we, we would talk about this uh, during my, my studies, for example. Um, so I think it's something that is more and more coming up and more and more seen as important, like in different ways and on different levels. Um, but I think it's the like core, one of the core concepts uh, of global health because it is actually like what's rich about it is you learn from diversity, you learn from different lenses, from different perspectives, uh, from different ways of seeing things. And you can at some point have, uh, as Deborah pointed out a little bit earlier, like a cultural humility. Um, and so I think that is just a core concept to it. And to learn so much about, um, I was thinking about example at the same times, but there are so many like cultural differences uh, that you need to know when you work with different people uh, or different well, people from other countries. Like I remember when I, I first started um, working in Madagascar, I used to go like, do you understand what, what I just said? Like, is it clear to you? And the people would always go, yes, yes, no, like it's fine. And at one point um, my like two year periodic assistant that was also my um, uh, translator interpreter, is that a word? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, just pointed out to me they didn't understand and I'm like really but I asked them like they told me they would they did understand he's like yeah but it's not it's not well seen to say you didn't understand to someone that you see as an expert but I can see they didn't get it um, so at that point I started to ask them to redo what I did or to re-explain it in their own words 
Um, and I noticed that actually, it was actually right. Like most of the times you just didn't get what I just said. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of things like that, that you, you need to learn about different cultures and about different ways of doing things. Um, and equity and justice are just so important. Like you cannot, you see them so clearly when you look on a global level, like it's sometimes more, um, not more difficult, but more hidden to see like inequities um, in in our communities here, uh, sometimes in Canada, but on a global level, like, of course, everyone knows they're poorer countries. Everyone sees that people in the world are, uh, don't have the same rights, don't have the same access to healthcare, to like, don't have the same human rights, actually. Well, they do have the same human rights, but they don't have access to, um, you understood what I mean, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, in, uh, in social justice and occupational justice is not like, there's so many injustice in the world too. And it's so easier to see them on a global level sometimes that there are concepts that you just need to take, uh, into account, I think when you work in that area. Yeah, that's really well said, Emmanuel. I think with the occupational justice piece uh, in global health, I mean, the migration story, we're in the largest human migration ever. I think it's been announced in several, several different ways. Um, and there's there's a bunch of factors that are impacting the migration. So climate change is a big one, war, uh, famine, um, even just cultural, you know, ongoing uh, uh, challenges in different countries with religion and politics that are driving hundreds of thousands of people from their homelands. And those pieces, I think that's where, I, th I feel that's where all OTs are impacted, where even if you're not identifying as a global health OT, you will inevitably have somebody come in front of you who has lived one of those experiences, who is a refugee, who is an immigrant, um, who ha who knows of somebody or who's maybe even a host to somebody who's experiencing that. And so, yeah, so for you, Deb, is, are, you're, you're resonating with what uh, Emmanuel is sharing? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it, uh, as you pointed out right at the beginning, Justine, it's, it, it's sort of those concepts of, of justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion are just sort of hopefully are the foundations around which the global health activities are are occurring. Um, so it's hard to tease them out uh, as well. But I would say just um, I wouldn't put inclusion necessarily as any more important than the other concepts, but maybe just to sort of tease it out a little bit more. Um, I think that um, inclusion is something that really needs to be examined in the global health context. And I'm thinking of things even like, so you mentioned something around sort of natural disasters and, um, you know, uh, WFOT has some great mater learning materials around disaster preparedness and OT role in those kinds of things. And one of the things that was fascinating when I was going through those materials is, you know, which you, which seems obvious, but maybe uh, isn't always, is that people with disabilities are just never even considered uh, usually when making those kinds of uh, plans. 
um, around disasters, etc. And so sometimes just you have to advocate just to get them um, on the playing field so that somebody will think about, so what are we going to do in a disaster for individuals who maybe can't hear so they don't know what's going on or can't see so they, they can't navigate their environment or people who's with physical limitations where they can't get out of a particular building or uh, whatever. And um, I would say that's true even in, you know, some of our well-resourced countries that often people with disabilities are not included in some of those those plans. Um, and uh, I think that inclusion is definitely um, being highlighted and awareness is much greater uh, in many parts of the world. But there's still a lot of areas where children with disabilities, for example, are still, you know, uh, kept at home, not seen in the community, um, not allowed into a local school uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, so I think uh, the inclusion is just something that uh, I think needs to be highlighted as well. Thank you for that. Yeah, I do think that's a real key area. And it is, it, it's almost like the stepping stone to achieving the other uh, pieces of justice, equity, um, and diversity. Because if, if people aren't at the table to begin with, if there isn't that representation and that space for contribution, then there really isn't an opportunity to engage in the other things. And so um, I think that's such an important reminder and a great way to end our podcast today. Uh, it, it's such a pleasure to meet with the two of you to talk about global health. It, it's such a huge topic. And, and this is really an opportunity for the listeners to know that there are ways to get involved. So Deb, thank you for identifying WFOT as an excellent resource. Uh, they have an ocean online um, uh, connecting service, really networking opportunity for OTs around the world to be able to blog and connect with one another. Uh, our practice network, if you're interested, absolutely. Uh, you can reach out to practice at cot.ca to connect with our global health network. And I understand, uh, Emmanuel, that the plan with you and Sarah for next year is to uh, uh, continue building relationships with international associations. So it looks like there will be more opportunity to meet with OTs from different countries around the world. And so um, a great opportunity for you to to be part of this uh, this journey. So uh, thank you both for being with us today. And if you have any resources, we can post them with this podcast. Yeah, definitely. And I would have like as a well to, to end right the podcast, <laughs> I would say that what uh, just Deborah said about inclusion is well highlighted by kind of a mantra we, we usually hear in global health, which is nothing for us without us. Um, to say that like people that have disabilities or that should uh, should be included, not only in, um, in what's done, but in the preparation of it. Um, so that's a good mantra to, to keep in mind. And I really like that. Uh... I really like that. I've always liked that mantra, but I think it's a great one for global health because I think that it also highlights that um, whatever partnerships you are working with, you want it to be, you know, nothing, uh, nothing done to them 
but only, you know, with them, that it needs to be a true partnership and a real authentic collaboration as well mm. as global health. And allyship. <laughs> yes. A great way to end the podcast, allyship. Thank you both for being with us today. Thanks Thank for you. inviting. <laughs>